Hello and welcome to Meet Our Makers. I am your host, Jeremy J. Fissette. On this episode, we get to meet Thor Harris. Thor is a drummer, percussionist, multi-instrumentalist, songwriter from Austin, Texas. Or, as his Wikipedia page refers to him, he is an artist, sculptor, musician, painter, carpenter, and handyman. All of which Thor declares correct. Thor is maybe best known as the drummer of bands such as Shearwater and Swans, but he's played with many people across his long, esteemed career. In this chat, which Thor was kind enough to join me for, we cover everything from politics to music to art to the state of our world right now as the coronavirus pandemic continues to wreak havoc across the globe. We also touch upon Thor's attempt to become governor of Texas, a job he likely would have been quite good at. So please enjoy, and thank you for listening. This is me meeting Thor Harris. What part of the world are you in? I'm in Connecticut. Oh, right. Yeah, so only an hour ahead of you. Um, But hi, Thor. How are you? (laughs) Uh, Pretty good. Um, But yeah, I've been in quarantine for a month. Yeah, we're coming up on that, Um, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, and and it feels like so long because do you remember just as this was starting to happen, was just before South by Southwest was supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And I do this thing annually where I, where I announce that South by Southwest is canceled, even though it's not. I've just done that for like five years on Twitter. And, um, and then finally they canceled it. Has it not ever been canceled before? No. Oh, I wow. just, no, it's never been canceled. I, it started in the mid eighties and I think I played like the first one or the second one or something. And I've played a lot of them since, since then, but um, yeah, finally got canceled. But you're right. It does feel like it's been a real long time and it really hasn't when you look at other places of the world that were ahead of us and are still in quarantine. You know, it's an amazing fact that I keep, um, trying to, I'm going to keep tweeting this fact. South Korea and U.S. both got their first cases of COVID-19 on January 19th. I've seen that. And they're, you know. Are they like out in the world again, though? Or are they just doing better? They're doing way better for sure. I don't know if they're completely out of quarantine everywhere yeah. in Korea. I'm not sure, but they have testing. I mean, that's huge. Right. I, you know what I've, I've been wondering today is like, what's the Republican strategy on this? Like, I know. What, will, what will they achieve by, you know, tricking people into, into, going out in the world and infecting each other. I know if we do end up prematurely reopening, I'm just, you know, if their whole goal is to, uh, you know, benefit business or whatever, okay, we'll benefit it for a week maybe. And then everyone's going to get infected and the business is all going to, are all going to close again. (laughs) So I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Like if they're in such denial that they genuinely don't think that'll happen, then they're in for rude awakening. But if they do understand what's happening and are, lying and tricking us like you said then how can they not have the foresight to see that this is just gonna happen again right away it's really it's really bizarre yeah i I don't i i don't understand what makes republicans or their supporters i don't i rarely understand their motivations I mean, sometimes you can kind of 
even if you vehemently disagree, you can kind of understand their motive behind something, even if you think it's a bad motive. Or like yeah. you can kind of untangle like the scheme that they might have, whoever yeah. they is. But here, I can't. <laughs> oh, me neither. It's just odd. Have you ever been to Austin? I have not. I've wanted to. It's a cool place if this apocalypse ends. Yeah. If you ever want to visit. Yeah, I was... Um, I was going to go, I, don't, I say that like it was really a plan. There was a very sort of ephemeral plan that I was going to go to South by a few years ago, um, but did not. It fell through. Um, I, like, I liked your record that you sent me. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate you even listening. You're very kind on social media. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm that. I'm, I'm, a, I'm kind. I'm from a family of really kind people isn't it weird that you like you don't know what your family is like until you've lived like away from them out in the world for a mm -hmm. while because because my dad died when I was 10 I thought that we were sort of like a sad busted family mm -hmm. but we really weren't I mean we we, we were always like we're, there were only four of us left then me my sister my brother and my mom but we were always like really supportive of each other and did you just not realize that till later i didn't really realize that i mean you sort of like as an adult you 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 kind of re-fall in love with your family like i mm -hmm. i i certainly in my late 20s after a nervous breakdown i i just kind of really got to know my mom and my brother and sister over again you know with mm -hmm. much much more sort of fierce, rigorous honesty. Hmm. And my mom died a couple of years ago, but yeah, I, I, I love my family and they are all very kind. And that's what, what, why I am. Well, that's nice though, when you can attribute such a positive quality to, to, to something like a family, because some people definitely don't have that experience. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you're right. I mean, I don't think we all, maybe some people do, but I don't think we all notice the ripple effects of, of living with those people for so long until you are no longer living with them. It's true. Yeah, yeah. They set up your basic operating system. And then the rest is just like plugging, plugging different situations into it and yeah. hopefully reacting with some some degree of sensitivity and um i mean you know the the first thing a shrink does when she or he is analyzing you is like delve into your childhood and that's because that's where the basic patterns get programmed yeah that's where the seeds are are, are laid for sure it's interesting though that you say that you, uh, you that you're aware of your kindness and that you know even where it comes from because that has been such a thing that I've noticed about you over the years. So, oh, you thanks. seem like a very kind person. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, didn't I, the album you guys put out a couple years ago is what the subversive nature of kindness. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> um. I think that's the one I found in my record store. I forget now. I have one of oh. yours on my shelf. <laughs> awesome. Um, we, have, we have two more. It's funny. So I made six records last year for Joyful Noise, and those yeah. they came out in a box set, and those sold out. The box sets sold out, um, but we had a few left, and I got forty copies of Thorn Friends three and four. Those are the follow ups to. Okay nature of kindness i was just going to sell them as merch on tour but as peg said you know i don't think we're going to be able to i don't think anyone's going to be able to tour until we get a vaccine because if if different parts of the country are having their apex at different times you know like you how is how would that be possible that you know, it makes me sad thinking about all the people who already rescheduled and they only rescheduled for like August. 
Yeah. And I just feel like that's exceedingly optimistic. I'll be really surprised if anyone gets around much. Yeah. Unfortunately. I mean, I know people have been doing, or some people have been doing the like Instagram live and the YouTube live. I don't know if you guys were ever going to go down that lane or not. I don't know if we are. Um, yeah, I've been meaning, I, I missed one yesterday. AJJ, Andrew Jackson, Jihad, mm -hmm. you know that? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know they were doing that, but yeah, I know who they are. Yeah, my friend Bria watched it and uh, yeah, I love that band. I've been watching some of them. I mean, uh, obviously there's scores of people who were going to tour and now are not, so I'm probably missing most of them, but I know I, I caught some Colin Malloy stuff and I caught um, Tallest Man on Earth just played the whole wild hunt record on youtube live that was nice oh cool um and just like a lot of them are just kind of you know they might play for an hour but they stream for two hours because they kind of just hang there and talk um for free usually i know some of them some people are charging for those things um i don't know the <laughs> ins and outs of that but yeah i don't either i know um, i do feel for the people whose main or only avenue was this tour that got canceled yeah i do feel i do feel for them i do i do too it's a tear it's a man it's it's a hard way to make a living playing music yeah i mean, I mean it, it is anyway when it pays well that's great but it's kind of fleeting i know i think of basically mo most of the people that i listen to in my you know normal time are not supported by the huge industry or the machine or they they don't have some hit song that's still a hit like you know so they are just thriving off of this tour release tour release tour release and now they can't even tour i mean some people are rush releasing things um, yeah i know laura marling just put out a new album that was six months almost ahead of schedule because she was like well why the hell not um, yeah but then other people are pushing their albums and i've been kind of curious about that like a lot of people that I'm friends with and follow online are just saying, well, why are you pushing the album? I know you can't tour or promote it, but you know, your entire fan base is home right now and really could use some, you know, something to get them through what's going on. So there, I mean, I understand both tactics. I'm just, you know, it's interesting seeing who's doing what. Yeah. I leave, like I, I've never been interested in the music business. Mm -hmm. Or any business um but um so i i leave it up to the joyful noise people but we have two those two new records um thorn friends three and four they're gonna get they're getting manufactured but i think our they were supposed to get released at the end of june but i don't think it's gonna happen yeah, I'm curious if most of the summer records are going to either be pushed for a long time or if they're going to be digital only for a while. Um, yeah, I don't know. We, we could use those records. I guess the, the is the downside to digital only that once people have them digitally, they'll they'll never actually order the vinyl. It's probably one of the concerns. Um, I mean, I could imagine someone spending 10 bucks on a, you know, a Bandcamp release and then it doesn't come out for seven more months. So by the time it comes out, maybe they don't feel as inspired to go buy the physical copy. I don't know if people are worried about that or not, but that, I mean, that would be a concern of mine. I love Bandcamp. I've, I've oh, me too. <laughs> I've, been, I've been doing a lot of commercials for them as well as, you know, a fair amount of bashing of all the other um, <laughs> streaming platforms um they're 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 the one that looks out for the artists yeah i mean and it, it's it's is it's a little strange that when i try to think of the landscape we're in now that Bandcamp is sort of the only name that i can think of that is doing what they do and you would think by now because they've been doing what they do for a while you'd think by now that someone else whether it you know it probably wouldn't be spotify or apple music but someone else might try to do something similar um because they have so many people on their platform from people making zero dollars because they just want a place to put their music to people all the way up the chain so it's 
I love yeah. Bandcamp. I mean, I've used it for years. Um, they they really do look out for the artists. They they take a share, but it's a fair share. And if you are so, someone selling more than like one album a month, like if you are someone steadily selling on Bandcamp, you're you're gonna be fine with that share. It's like pretty nominal in the end. Yeah. And I like their platform. It's just so easy and it's intuitive and they don't hide behind anything that I can find. And I don't know. Yeah. I, I've always really liked them. When I started bashing Spotify, I, you know, learned a little about them. They're a Swedish company. Oh, I didn't I know always, that. <laughs> yeah, I always think like, oh, they must be like some, some awful bros living in a, in Brooklyn, you know, with <laughs> huge office building. Made of glass. <laughs> yeah, made of glass. But they're, it's a Swedish company. I mean, I'm mm. sure they have, I'm sure they have offices here in the, yeah empire but yeah which is surprising because scandinavians are usually so progressive and fair-minded maybe not all the time <laughs> one one funny thing uh one year for during south by southwest i had a party or something i didn't go to it but um they had rented this mansion and and um to have their party and it, there weren't live bands playing there or anything it was just like booze and whatever um and and they changed out the chandeliers in the mansion because i guess the chandeliers weren't hip enough or something <laughs> i i but but then like somehow they got my number because they needed someone who knew how to come in put the old chandeliers back up and take the rented chin i didn't know you could rent chandeliers no, but me neither take the rented ones down and so that so i i, I charged them a, a hefty fucking fee to take Good. down <laughs> the chandeliers and put back the old the ones that belonged in this mansion and <laughs> yeah, just as I was looking around, I was like, oh, man, they spent so many tens of thousands of dollars to put on this party. Didn't it ever occur to them to pay artists a little better? I know. And I guess the answer is no. Yeah, I remember a few years ago, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Joanna Newsom fan. Mm -hmm. I remember the interview she did. I forget with who, but she uh, she called them the banana of the music industry because she hates bananas. <laughs> she was like, no one likes a banana. Just look at it. They're the banana of the music industry. She's like, I'll never put my music on there. And I loved that when Drag City did end up putting almost all of their music on all the streaming services, she ended up on everyone but Spotify. Oh, that's so great. I'm, I'm sure she has some stipulation where she was like, no, <laughs> no way. She, she's, she's great. We, she and I were in the last incarnation of the band Smog together. Oh, I, didn't know, I didn't know she was involved with Smog. I knew she knew Smog. Yeah, she, she, it was me, Joanna and Bill. And we just did a short Europe tour, which was a blast. And then shortly after that, then, or on the next record, Bill started going just by Bill Callahan and mm -hmm. not Smog. Mm -hmm. But she yeah. was really fun. She was really funny and fun to travel with. And yeah, I've I, I've heard a few interviews with her and and seen her live a couple times. She does seem to have a very good sense of humor. Yeah. Um. But that bridges nicely into what I was going to bring up um, after we got done talking about all the fun COVID stuff um, was basically just that you are mostly known as a drummer um, and percussionist, but you've been a drummer and percussionist and probably multi-instrumentalist that I don't even know um, with so many people and um, including Smog. I knew about Smog um, and Lisa Germano and Ben Frost and Devendra Banhart. And I'm, I'm, I was just sort of curious because a lot of those people started in the late 90s. I was kind of curious how you ended up sort of linking into that scene, that groove. Um, it, 
sometime in the 90s or, or in the early 90s I went through some hellish um depression and when I came out of it I found that I had like jettisoned a lot of my I'd really gotten deeply in touch with my mortality mm-hmm I had just jettisoned a lot of my worldly fears. And so since that time, I just reach out to anyone that I think I would want to play with. So in the case of Lisa Germano, that didn't happen that way. She, a a friend of ours hooked us up, but I wrote a letter to the Swans. Like I wrote them a postcard and then... I went to their show and met them before their show and they remembered the postcard that I had sent. Mm. Um, So that's how I met them. And then Bill Callahan, I wrote a note on a napkin and gave it (laughs) to the, to this realtor that I knew had, had um, helped him buy his first house in Austin. And then, and then, you know, I think the note said something like, Hey, my name is Thor. I live in Austin. Welcome to town. I've played. I've played drums. I've played with these people. I call if you ever need my services. And I, but I knew that Bill, you know, switched uh, bands. Like every, almost every album has mm. different. Um, and I've done. I've just done that. Like that's how I have gotten most of my gigs and then also as you said at the beginning of this podcast i'm i'm friendly and and you know approachable and 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 um like if i see some like if we're playing a show and the opening band is setting up i you know we'll go and meet them and well that's very nice make them feel welcome yeah and not you know not everybody does that no they definitely don't yeah it's always weird being an opening band and and feeling like you're just sort of in the way and i was you know certainly done years and years in that role Mm -hmm. being the in the way opening band so i just have tried to soften the rough edges of the touring music mm-hmm. world. Yeah. So when you say that you like tried to jettison your, your worldly fears, does that end up leading? So basically you would, you just ask, like you just kind of stopped being afraid of any sort of weirdness or if you got a no, or if, you know, it was, what you know whatever the person might have thought you were just like i like what this person does i think i would work well with them so i'm just going to offer it to them yeah yeah exactly that i Mm. i I, you know i don't know yeah i i i I knew i knew at that point that wouldn't hurt my feelings if i never heard back from these people Mm -hmm. at the very least i've given them a compliment and, right. and which I wanted to give them and and I, you know I thought of, I I I still think about like if somebody that I am not interested in their music asks me to play with them you know it's a it's a it's a nice compliment yeah. um so yeah I just like th- things like envy and pride just I I guess during that hellish sort of nervous breakdown I got better at I got a better at sort of emotional hygiene and and um got better at murdering the parts of myself that I hated Hmm. um so then if you you know, throughout the 90s, um, really up till probably the late 90s or early 2000s, you did sort of, you come up in a lot of album credits is basically what I'm trying to say. So you were kind of this, 
you know, guy for hire who was playing with a lot of different kinds of acts. But then, so how did you end up becoming an actual member of Shearwater? Uh, Shearwater, let's see, I, I played in, in, like in the case of that band, I, they were, they started out in 99 and, um, I just saw them live and I thought that they were great and they Mm. had, that was, I guess you would call them an emo band is sort of how they started out. Like sad sort of folk songs that, that, that when you heard them, they were complex enough that you could imagine some more intricate instrumentation, you know, rather than just a guitar or banjo and voice. Um, And the two singers were Jonathan Myberg, who still has that band Shearwater and Will Chef, who he's that band Ockerville River. Right. Um, But yeah, when I saw them, they were both real young, um, super talented, writing beautiful, sad songs. And I thought they were great. And I just said, hey, can I would love to come play vibraphone with you guys. Cause I, you know, it didn't, I was, it didn't sound like they needed loud drums or anything. And so we, we, the band existed like that with just sort of minimal orchestrations around these pretty songs. And then, and then we made a record with this producer named Craig Ross, not to be confused with the Craig Ross that plays with Lenny Kravitz. But the other Craig Ross, Austin, Texas's Craig Ross, and he, um, at that point, Will was kind of getting really busy with the band Ockerville River, and um, so Will quit the band. It became a one singer. Um, talk, talk and like late period talk talk and Mm -hmm. peter gabriel it started to get kind of kind of more proggy Mm. that shearwater and um and more more you know more ambitious instrumentally um which jonathan was up for he's a he's good at playing instruments yeah i'm actually uh i'm actually talking to him this week just cool. by sheer coincidence, you, you two him, both responded that to say yes, and you talked to me. Tell him hi. We've been meaning to hang out and chat. One one super interesting thing about Jonathan, well, he's a bird scientist. That's pretty common knowledge, but um, mm-hmm. his dad was, was the number two guy in the CDC during the Obama era. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he knows a lot about... Uh, epidemics and things like that and um me and i've been trying to schedule a phone call with jonathan just to talk to him about that he lives Mm -hmm. he lives in central texas again he doesn't live in austin he lives in a really beautiful little town called dripping springs what a great name for a town yeah So really, you got Shearwater kind of the same way. I mean, you just saw them and, and you and you were like, I feel like I would link up with them well. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just told them, here's my number. Call me mm. if you want help executing mm. beautiful music. You. At that point, they, they only had one record, which is really awesome. I don't know if it can be found anymore. It's called The Dissolving Room. That's oh their... yeah, I've I don't think I've heard it, but I I bet you could find it somewhere. Yeah, it's it's really beautiful. Um so you had gone you know you were in one band Shearwater for quite a while and then nowadays I feel like most people that I talk to if I, if I ever mention your name they think of Swans. Um but you had actually been you met Swans way earlier, right? Because yeah, you had been in Angels of Light stuff mm-hmm. before yeah by the time i met shearwater i had i had already t- toured a couple of years with angels of light okay and and played on the first few angels of light records that was a t- 
dream come true playing in that band. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, and the more, I guess, impressive my resume got, the more, the more I felt like, okay, just, just cold calling or writing to my heroes and offering my services. But, you know, I, I think anyone should do it. Um, at even if they've never played on a record, just, yeah. I mean, the worst that'll happen is the person will say no. Very rarely, I would think someone would get annoyed with you. They're just going to say no if they want to say no. Yeah. Or they might not respond at all, and then it is what it is. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I mean, you, despite having a resume that is pretty lengthy and, and you've played with some great people, you do seem like you've stayed pretty humble and grounded. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, at least it seems like you have. <laughs> I have, I have, and I think about that a lot. I think about when people don't, I think it's often because their success happens real young in their career. Mm. I was I was pretty old, really, by the time I started touring the world playing. I was like 30. Yeah. By the time I started going to Europe all the time and playing big festivals and stuff. Before that, I toured, but mostly just America, and I was just sort of struggling. I mean, we're always struggling, right? But mm -hmm. um, I, didn't, I didn't. The the people that I that I meet that that sort of lose their heads and get real cocky. I think it's people who get who've gotten outrageous tremendous success early on and then they're just spending the rest of their lives trying to trying to live up or or live that success down you know yeah it must set up a weird sort of alchemy within that person who you know really hit it big really early or really quickly um, mm -hmm. versus someone who works for 10 or even 20 years before they get that level of success. So you have all of those years of just sort of trekking around and just like doing what you do despite, or maybe in spite of not having that success, but you kept doing it. And I feel like that process must inevitably for most people help ground you because you, yeah. you saw the whole, you know, journey up to that point versus someone who maybe is 19 and puts out one song and it gets super viral and then they win a bunch of grammys and they're only 20 years old so they never had that like long stretch where they had to learn how to really do their thing yeah then they have more pressure really early on too yeah to some degree anyway yeah i i, I think so i mean i don't know if you feel pressure to keep creating or if you just create for you at this point think a little bit of both i don't mm -hmm. mind the I, I do feel a little bit like yeah i feel dri driven to keep making things but it, yeah i mean a lot and a lot of it like i started my band thorin friends right after i got out of swans and i did feel a kind of urgency like okay people know who i am right now because of swans mm -hmm to get Thor and friends started, but I don't know that that was even realistic. I, I think I could have, you know, that was just sort of my own restless kind of self doubt. Yeah. I mean, uh, are you someone who's, who's like always creating something? Yeah. Yeah. And, but you know, it's what, what I'm, what I'm trying to learn is, that that's not where my worth comes from mm -hmm. because I'm afraid that I do think that I'm only worth what I've created in the last 10 minutes or two <laughs> thing. And that, you know, that's, um, it's, it's not a very Buddhist way to, to see the world. No, it's probably not the healthiest way. No. And especially, I mean, it's good that you seem to, even though you you might instinctually go there, 
you also know like that that's probably not true so that yeah 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 i mean on some some level i know i guess that my worth comes from different things Mm -hmm. kind and and generosity of spirit are worth so much more than you know like for instance i made this video well first i made a zine about depression and then in um i don't know what year it was but maybe 2010 or something no no 2012 i made a, a video for the mental health channel that that went crazy viral and it was just a video of me talking about how i deal with depression and man so many people i didn't do anything i just I hung hung out at my house for two solid days with a camera crew and then they edited all that down to the seven minute video but i didn't really do anything i just answered some questions that this video producer guy asked me and then he did all this editing and that that video was so helpful to so many people and it that doesn't have to do with anything like that doesn't have a level of productivity it just had to do with me you know being honest about a challenge that i that i deal with yeah well sometimes being honest and open and is the most important thing you can do yeah i yeah it it, it, it certainly is and that's like that's that's as inspiring or generous a gift to the world, certainly as making great art, great mm-hmm. art. It's awesome too, but <laughs> when you meet someone who's really genuine and honest and like gener- generous with their time that's so refreshing yeah isn't it weird like the way this is what i wonder and you may have a better answer because i don't i just have the question is like how is this pandemic going to affect the way that we that we all perceive time i know because we we had you know seems like life our lives were all just running faster 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 but now we're having to stop and the world's moving it's almost still yeah pretty awesome in a lot of ways yeah i think some people are probably really taking it um for what it's worth and and really pausing and you know, there are whole families who are stuck at home and hopefully they're not at each other's throats and they're, you know, enjoying this time that they never really got to have. I mean, I spend eight hours a day in my house alone because <laughs> yeah. I've been working from home um, and my boyfriend doesn't. So I've been uh, alone with the dog. But um, besides that, I, I do, I have noticed time has been different. I mean, the news has started telling us what day it is you know it's like yeah. it's, it's because people are forgetting people are i genuinely am like oh i thought it was tuesday it was monday it was wednesday like when i'm when it's friday so it, it is true um yeah. time is definitely moving in a, in a weird way and i did see something on the news um i forget if it was like national news or local news but some some you know guy they had on talking was saying you know right now most people are engaging in more kindness and openness and generosity. Like you might wave to people outside that you wouldn't have waved to. And his worry was, will we all still be like this when the world speeds up again? And I don't, I'm hesitant to say that we will. I mean, you know, like you said, everyone was kind of going so fast before. And I think inevitably we'll probably largely end up back there where people just don't, smile or say hi or wave or 
talk to strangers or whatever the case may be. Um, I mean, I hope some of this kindness lasts, keeps going. Um, but I don't know. It's it's unclear because it's we've never been like this. Yeah. It's a little uh, unnerving, but also can be really useful. So I'm not I'm not really sure how everyone's taking it or what's going to happen when it's over. And also the over, we keep talking about when it's over, but yeah, I don't know what that even looks like. I mean, I keep saying I keep calling it a soft reopening. Like you can't just reopen the whole country all at once, no matter if it's quote unquote gone or not. Like, you know, I'm a teacher, so I, I work in schools and schools are one of the easiest ways you could spread it through a whole community really quickly. And so I feel like schools should be one of the last things to open. I was thinking about that too when Peg started talking about they're not gonna people aren't gonna start touring again this year or yeah it's the so same idea you get a thousand people in a room even if they're all immune they can yeah. carry it home to a thousand houses and then it just starts up again so I'm not sure how you reopen yeah do you teach at public school or college yeah. no I teach at a high school man that's so awesome that's I. For a little while, I was a high school art teacher, and I loved that job. Yeah, I'm an English teacher. Cool. So we've been doing online learning, you know, this is the fourth week. It's very different, much different. It's very strange. I don't think we're going Are back there things here. that you like about it? About the online teaching? Yeah. I mean, it's much more streamlined. Um, you know, there's a lot, it's a lot more organized, I guess, in a way. Um, you know, my colleagues and I who teach the same courses will, you know, we meet once or twice a week, we plan the next week ahead. So we have the whole week planned and it's really just regimented. It's routine. You know, we don't have that face-to-face -face interaction really anymore. I mean, some teachers have been doing video chatting with their students, but not all of us have. I haven't. Um, so it is a little bit strange. Um, but I do miss being, you know, going in in the morning and being there and, yeah, I don't know, talking about stuff that's not school related because some of the best moments in a kid's day are those like 30 seconds in between things where you just are kind of shooting the breeze with them. Yeah. Um, and you can't really do that. You know, you can't really do that online because they're just, okay, well, here's my assignment. Here's my post. Here's my work submit, you know. I thought that when I was a high school art teacher, I thought that too. I thought... Well, you know, I took, I studied art in, you know, all since I was a little kid, even through college. So there's a lot I could teach them about that, but they probably get more out of just like me listening to them and paying attention to their thoughts and ideas and mm -hmm. just being like a weird adult who's yeah. like, has done, like chosen a weird path that's different from most, most adults. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm only 27 years old, so it's I'm not yeah. that um, much older than them, and so that's always been. I mean, I've been a teacher for a few years now, and it's gotten a little better, but it is has always been like a hang up of mine that I'm so close to them in age. So I try not. Sometimes I consciously try not to be too. I don't know what the word is like familiar. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I can't help it to an extent because that sometimes is the best part of the day is just that connection you make with them about something stupid or something important or whatever. Um, you know, as you said, you're just being this, you know, this weird adult who maybe doesn't look like all the other adults in their lives and yeah. doesn't act like other adults in their lives. And for a good deal of the kids, that's enough. And if they if they can identify that and you, that's great. And sometimes that makes them better students in your class, too. Yeah. Um, I know people will often say, you know, especially higher ups in education will often say, oh, it doesn't matter if they like you. What matters is that they respect you. And like, I got taught that all through grad school and I understand where they're coming from, but to a certain point, kids are going to be kids, you know? I mean, I teach high school, so I have some 18 year olds who are almost, you know, full, fully functioning adults, but I also teach 14 year olds. And so kids are kids. And if they really don't like you for whatever reason, it can be really hard to get their buy-in. So yeah. I do, you know, I try to strike the balance. It's hard though. Mm -hmm. But that balance is harder online. So for example, if I started a school year at a new school with this online thing, 
it would be so different than if I had met my kids before, which I have currently. Oh yeah. You know, so I think that helps a lot that I knew who the kids were before going into this. Yeah. One of my, one of my best friends, he's been my friend since I was about 14 or 15. He's a high school theater teacher and I've watched sort of watched him get when he first started he was he was more in that school of it doesn't matter if they like you but you have to make them respect you but now he's way more in that familial kind of like he, he makes friends with them he's mm-hmm. he blur, blurs that line a lot yeah. more he's definitely more of an authoritarian than I was as a teacher I was definitely like I'm one of y'all I just happen mm-hmm. to be older and I studied art a lot so yeah he, but he, he's not quite like that but he, as he's been doing that job for like 20 something years he has gotten more sort of relaxed with his students yeah I think with a lot of teachers that comes with time and comfort in the job I mean I I haven't worked at any school long enough to sort of you know get tenure and get stature there so I haven't had that um that comfort really granted to me yet to feel like I can really like luxuriate in in it and ease into it so I'm still sort of in in the middle I guess yeah um and what does your boyfriend do what is what's his work he works in uh, human resources he's a director so he he but he's a director at a healthcare place so he has they're still open so he has to go in yeah i think otherwise he might work from home or not be working but because he's in the healthcare industry he you know his job his his place is still up and running yeah wow so, so- but he sits in an office all day he's not like at a hospital oh so, so that's good um yeah you know, he he has his own office so there's other people there but he has his own room and it's at a separate building. So I'm hoping that that's helpful. Yeah. Cause I really feel for the people who are going out every day cause they have to. And mm-hmm. I mean, we try to go grocery shopping like every three weeks cause we're like so scared to go. And yeah. Um, our, our next door neighbor is a nurse and it's just my, my uh, dad's wife is a nurse. So it's, it's, it's tough out there right now. You see, yeah. the news? I mean, you watch the news and it's, I've, we were just talking about this the other day. It's nothing but COVID news. Yeah. That's because there is no other news. Yeah. Um, And some of it is the really bleak stories from the hospitals. And it's, I don't know, it's when when this is all over, I mean, somehow I feel like we have to do something for them. Yeah. I don't know what or on what scale or what would be possible, but it's just, it's sort of heartbreaking to watch the, the healthcare workers talk about this. And some of them are dying. I know. I don't know how many doctors have died in the U.S., but a huge number of doctors died in Italy. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're trying all they can try, but there's a limit to that. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 pretty sad. And I don't know. What, I mean, they keep saying, okay, the curve is flattening, the curve is flattening, but that's not the same as it going down. So I just, I don't know when it's going to turn around yeah um so to pivot entirely i did want to ask before um we ended what compelled thor harris to run for governor of texas so because that always really interested me (laughs) what happened i was i was on tour with this great singer named adam torres um he he makes beautiful music and hopefully he'll want to put out a record again someday but it was just a few years ago and I and I um was listening I was up early I think I went running I was listening to the news and I just sat there with my phone and we were staying with some really nice people somewhere in the southeast and there was a big rainbow gay flag waving above me and the news that morning was that Texas was trying to instate a, a bathroom ban like oh, North right. had done. It was just so idiotic. It was just mm-hmm. 
you know, pandering to the evangelicals and their hate hatred for everyone. And um, so with that flag waving above my head and my giant scary beard, I, I said, Howdy, my name is Thor Harris and I'm running for governor of Texas because fuck this. And fuck this meant like fuck Greg Abbott and Ken Paxton and the whole state of things. Yeah. 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 It's just so idiotic and not helpful. I mean, and that's how it is now. Yeah. Uh, Greg Abbott's doing nothing to help Texas prepare for what's coming in mm -hmm. the next week or so. Um, so, so, so then like within minutes of my posting that video to Twitter and Instagram, um, Pitchfork texted me or emailed me and said, Hey, are you really running for governor? <laughs> and so I thought, no, of course not. <laughs> but then I thought, I don't know, why not? You know, sure. clearly smarter and more um i don't know i have a way better moral compass than the guy that's doing that job now so why the hell not and then and then so i like i didn't deny it when i was asked for the next few months and i made a few more videos and, and, and I pay attention to my state politics as well. So I think I would have really had a, a fierce debate with Greg Abbott, whereas the woman, um, Lupe Valdez, who ended up running on the Democratic ticket, she didn't really understand what a terrible job he's done of mm. not funding our public schools and our maternal mortality rate is just crazy we're the most uninsured state mm. in the nation so he's just such a such a huge failure um i mean even aside from their hateful policies toward trans people and um so that's how how it ended up happening the way i got out of the race not that I really campaigned or did much. <laughs> I, I felt like the way you needed to do it, if you really wanted to defeat an incumbent idiot like that, is the way Beto did it. I mean, he's he's pretty much a progressive, but he um, but he just went and met everyone in the state. I mean, yeah. he was campaigned so hard, and he got so close, so close to defeating our most idiotic. Well, it's it's close. John Cornyn is our other senator, and he's really just as awful as Ted Cruz. So, mm. so I, I wish mean, I have a friend who from college who lives in um, Houston, and or she doesn't now, but she came from Houston, and and she was thrilled that Beto even got so close because she was sad that he lost, and she wanted you know she wanted to have it out, but. The fact, like, she was just like the fact that we got this close, you know. Hopefully, next time. Hopefully, yep. this is like you know a sign that something is shifting, because that was a big that was a big deal. I mean, I remember the night after the elect or the day after the election, people were talking about the blue wins, but they were also talking about that because that was almost a win, and almost a win is more than anyone probably you know, any of the prognosticators were, were predicting. Yeah. So that was a big deal. Yeah. I don't, you know, progress is way behind, but yeah, it happens in fits and spurts though. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, before I go, I just want to ask, cause I like asking this, is there anything that you are listening to watching or reading that is helping you stay sane right now? Um, Even a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what am I listening to? You know, I follow this. I follow this guy, A Maximus, on Twitter, and he recommends all these 
strange ambient groups hmm. that all have their stuff on Bandcamp. Um, if you're on, yeah, you're on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I'll repost a lot of his stuff. Okay. Um, and he recommends really cool music all the time. Um, I listen to the New York Times podcast, which is called The Daily. And we listen to this doctor named John Campbell. He's an English um, epidemiologist. And he talks about um, about the plague that we're in. All, right. all, you know, and explains the science of it in real sensible terms. Um, musicians, and I, I think you can back me up on this, musicians are fascinated with science. So I listen to tons of science podcasts. And um, one of my favorite bands that I've discovered, and of course they don't exist anymore is is a brazilian group called wakichi which is spelled u-a-k-t-i um so that's i've I've listened to them a lot lately um it's always interesting when you find a band you like and then you look them up and you find that their last record was like 20 years ago and they don't make stuff anymore a band that exists right now that i love is called next you know next i don't think so like what your head oh is yes i have heard of them i've never listened to them i've the seen main, the name around though yeah each of their pieces is a, like a sort of slow moving meditation that takes about an hour and um so each of their pieces about is about an hour long and it's just it's just amazing um and it does like this pandemic, it, it it sort of sort of obscures your perception of time. Mm. Which it's sort of the like I really love that in when music can do that, and a lot of the minimalists and a lot of electronic music do that. Mm-hmm. Mess with your sense of time. Um, anything on that room 40 label out of brisbane is certainly interesting and worth hearing um mm-hmm. a guy named lawrence english has he's the head of that label and they put out just tons of interesting stuff i'll have to look into that um, and yeah i still have to get tons of exercise so that's another key piece of my sanity i know i've been trying at least a couple times a week to go out with the dog and walk around and Good. try i know you like dogs that's one of my favorite things you do is, is repost animal pictures yeah i've probably sent you a few before because it's just Good. you know it's Tell nice me. it's nice to see a, a, a cute a cute cute pet every now and then sure it is i don't <laughs> I, I can't get enough of that <laughs> uh, also yeah send me anything that you ever want amplified like send me this this episode when you post it and you know if i can ever be of any help i appreciate that this one will um the first one's going up tomorrow i recorded that last week so this one will probably go up next week but i can um i'll definitely send you a link when it is up i would have anyway probably because i figured maybe you'd want a link of it when it's up since you're in it um one of my oh i forgot it was on my notes but one of my favorite things just really quick is that on wikipedia you are listed as thor harris comma artist sculpture musician painter carpenter and handyman does that sound sound accurate to you yeah (laughs) okay yeah it does i like that they listed that like yeah and they have a source like from the Austin Chronicle or something. And so I looked at it and you don't say that anywhere. So I don't know who put that there, but I love it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I thought that was funny. Yeah, when I was when I was in my 20s, like when I was young, I 
I was like, well, I'm a dumb, strong guy who has, I know how to fix things. So this is my job. But then later I, I like acknowledged that it, it's like, like a kind of aptitude that's really awesome to have. Oh yeah. And, and, um, there just aren't enough skilled tradesmen in in the world and mm. now i really love that job and i miss it like when if i'm on a tour or something i miss <laughs> cutting and shaping materials and making things work that didn't work and yeah well that's a very nice way to put it <laughs> well thank you so much for talking to me thor yeah it's so nice to talk to you Jen. i know we, I know we've chatted sometimes, so it's nice to finally get to actually talk to you. Yeah. Thank you for coming. <laughs> yeah. Keep in touch. Yeah. Stay positive. Stay healthy. All right. You too. <laughs> Take care. All right. Bye-bye.